Hello and welcome. This is episode 15 of Future Tech Chat. Uh, today we will be discussing parenting and the technology that is involved in parenting. So today I'm here with Mike Attrell. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing fantastic. It's Father's Day weekend. It's like yeah. the one day out of the it's the one day out of the year that I get, <laughs> other than my birthday. <laughs> yeah, I guess Christmas doesn't really get you anything, does it? Uh, not, not once you have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've heard lots of things about dads buying themselves uh, gifts, like on, yeah. on not on Father's Day but on Christmas, they'll buy themselves something nice that they want. I usually buy us something nice, but it's mainly for me. <laughs> Maybe that was just my dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure eventually we'll get to that point. You'll you'll see a nice tool set that you need, and <laughs> exactly, and it'll be from Santa. There you go. That's that's really the perfect system. Actually, my parents get themselves gifts from Santa all the time too. Yeah. Um, so this, yeah, this is a special Father's Day edition of Future Tech Chat. Uh, and what better time to discuss the technology that's involved in parenting? I agree. As we've discussed, you you are a dad already. You'll be celebrating Father's Day tomorrow. Yes. Um, but I am. At some point, going to be a dad. I'm not there yet, but uh, I've I've certainly started thinking about these kinds of things already with technology and seeing. I mean, with the first thing that comes to mind when I think about parenting and like raising kids is cell phones. Um, I was in the sort of I think, and you were probably the same. That when we were getting into high school, people were just starting to get cell phones around 16 years old. And, but they were they were not anywhere near the devices you'd get today, and I don't know what did did you what what at what age did you get a cell phone? Uh, I think it was probably yeah around grade ten, so yeah sixteen or so, um, and I think for me it was mainly to text you and to call the bus to see when it was coming. That was pretty much the function that it served. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, there wasn't was by any means any sort of technological device by today's standards. Right. So it wasn't something it wasn't something that was useful in school to be no. to other kids or anything like that. No. And at that point it was well, for me it was fifteen cents a text. I don't remember if you had the unlimited or if you were doing that as well. No, yeah, it was the pay as you go. But then Virgin came out with their I don't know, it was like five cents text version yeah. to Virgin, and I was like, Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a great incentive for young kids to <laughs> to make yeah. sure they're on the same network. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that was us ten years ago almost now. But it's definitely changed a lot now. Like Snapchat, for instance, is a huge problem because every kid has a cell phone going down. I don't know how. I don't know when they start, but they definitely start a lot a lot younger than fifteen or sixteen mm -hmm. years old. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen. Just being out in the malls and that kind of thing, and just hearing stories from uh, from Maria on her her Facebook message boards, that kids have cell phones as early as seven, eight. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think you know we'll probably get into it a bit later in the show. Um, but you know, it it definitely serves its purpose, but I think there definitely needs to be. It's not a it's not a black and white issue. There's there's definitely uh, some judgment to be made for that. Yeah, I mean, there are certain obviously we'll we'll talk about it, but. Phones, like you can have a smartphone with all its apps and internet connectivity, or you can just have a device that basically has GPS and a button that calls. Um, like I think there's there's a phone that kids can get 
or that parents can get for kids that it literally just has location tracking and there's four buttons on it, like numbered one, two, three, four. Like speed dial. Yeah. Yeah. So they can just call, literally press one button and call home, and that's basically all the device does. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said for that. But, uh, yeah, having a cell phone at that age, I, I certainly wouldn't have needed it. I, I'm sure I would have loved it, but it definitely wasn't necessary. And probably, I, I can't say for sure it would, would have done some damage to, like, growing up. I know that it's already sort of, people are talking all the time about how it ruins our lives. Mm-hmm. and It's hard to say what kind of impact that would have on a, on a child. I think it, you know, our age was the age of, you know, Game Boys and Nintendos, and I think we had our fair share of share, fair share of distractions. I don't think um, it was as constant as it is now. It's like you know, you got home at the end of the day after school and played Nintendo or played on the computer, or whatever. So you know, I wouldn't say that we were oh we're outside all the time, but it's like I think now it's just you always feel distracted by your phone because it's always buzzing or you're always wanting to check something or. Whatever, so I think it's definitely two different two different things, but I don't think we would have been worse off. I think it would have just been a different kind of distraction than we had back then. Sure, yeah, I mean, there's the point that, I mean, it, it's a point that I just thought of, but, like, when if you had a game console, for the most part, it you had to, it was rooted in one spot. I mean, with the Game Boy, you could, like, bring it to school or bring it places, but I never had one of those. So for me, if I wanted to be distracted, I need to be sitting at a computer or sitting at... I think we we had Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. but it wasn't something that I could just take with me. Right, and that's why. It, moment. That's yeah, and that's why it's constant now, right? Like you, you always have it with you, and if you don't have it, you panic, and it's like, oh crap, where's my phone? So yeah. it's like it's it's just different today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, right now I'm actually running an iOS beta on my phone, and so it's I'm not always sure if I'm going to be away from power for a, a full day. I'm hesitant to to um, have it using a lot of battery just in case mm-hmm. it's too much. Yeah. Um, and so I find myself putting it in airplane mode if I know that I'm not going to need it mm-hmm. for any period, like for an hour or two. And that's really, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've, if you have any issues or if you're able to sort of unplug when you need to. I think, you know... I guess if we're if we're going back to today versus when we were kids, um, I think as a child, you have you have a short attention span, but I think it's even more than. I think it's more like you need. I don't think a child would have the same sort of attention to a phone, as adults do. Maybe it's just because I don't have a child old enough to do that, so maybe <laughs> I'll be proven wrong, <laughs> but. Um, but, you know, yeah, like, I, I think it's, yeah, for me, if I know I don't have to be near a phone, like, I have my work phone, I have my personal phone. If I don't need to be my, near my work phone, then that's pretty liberating, and it's like, oh, sweet, don't have to worry about that. But right. I think I always still feel, like, kind of uneasy not staying connected like that. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, it's it's definitely weird for me not having it, at least, like, if, if it's on airplane mode and it's still in my pocket, I definitely feel like I... It's it's just not using power. I don't, right. I don't need any messages instantly. I'm not yeah. super in demand that like there's nuclear codes on my phone or something that someone's gonna need. Yeah. But you can still check it if you need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get back on. So um, 
I guess let's start at the bottom and we'll talk about because we want to talk, talk about technology parenting. We don't want to just talk about teenagers. We want to talk about all through ages. And you've been through this recently. So why don't we uh, go down to, I mean, there's there's all kinds of baby monitors, security systems for kids. Um, why don't you talk a bit about yeah. your experiences in the, the first couple of years? Yeah. So for, for those who don't know already, um, we have an we have a 19 month old now, um, so you know I've been a dad for 19 plus nine months, I guess. Um, so even even going back to before um, our daughter was born, um, we were able to use technology even from just the medical care we got and the ultrasounds and um, you know being able to look online for you know I'm feeling this. What does that mean? Not for me, yeah. obviously, but um, <laughs> well. <laughs> well I, <laughs> yeah. One condition I can think of. <laughs> Different kind of feelings, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, but you know, we were actually able to order a. Uh, I think I mentioned this on an earlier episode. We were able to order a Doppler, little handheld Doppler um, yeah. reader, and we were able to actually hear our daughter's heartbeat. Um, and it was really cool, like to be able to do that. And it's like you know, even five years ago, people probably weren't doing this. Like it was yeah. a play around, but you know, no one even really thought to do it. And we had, you know, a 3D ultrasound done. That that was cool, like, to be able to see, like, you know, how she looked inside the womb. Um, yeah. So going from there and then, yeah, like, you know, shopping for, for baby stuff, for, like, baby monitors and just gadgets and just even, even if you don't think about, like, electronic technology but just, like, baby carriers and all that kind of stuff, like, just, like, it's developed so much and I think we're we take for granted sometimes how our parents didn't have any of that, like literally nothing. Right. They, they, didn't, they, they had nothing that we had. They had like, I don't even know what they had. But it like was, a sling out of cloth. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, yeah. like they, they had very rudimentary baby monitors. Um, I think that was probably the newest technology they had back then. Right. Um, okay. But, you know, these days you can set your phone up to be a baby monitor if you, if you wanted to and just have it remotely. Uh, not that yeah. you'd leave your house with your baby still in it, but, you know, no, it's... Push notification. <laughs> yeah, no, like, seriously. Yeah, I know. Like, if, when you're downstairs and you're on the same Wi-Fi network, you can get yeah. you monitor and it will, like, let you know when your baby's crying. It's like, that is crazy. That Your baby's crying at 40 decibels. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <get> higher. <laughs> yeah. And there are actually baby monitors that, that have little, like, warning lights. They'll so have, like, like, green yellow and then red. So when it's like red, it's like, yeah, you actually have to go get your baby. Yeah. But And then they have angel care monitors where like there's a pad underneath the crib, underneath where they're sleeping, and it monitors their breathing. Oh, wow. So that if, if, your, if your baby stops breathing, then it like sends out an alarm because you're trying to prevent SIDS. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, they actually haven't been scientifically supported enough to make it say, yeah, they actually prevent or give early warning. But I think for some parents it might... It's just the, like it's a comfort it's thing. It's psychological comfort, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't, and that's just not even getting into the the later years of technology. Yeah, well, I mean, you can have uh, you can have baby monitors that have a wireless camera attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah, video baby monitors they have too. So um, again, I don't, I don't know. Like for us, you know, we we looked at it and it's like, well, we're probably gonna get out of our bed and go see her anyway. So I don't know yeah. what purpose. A video but is gonna. It's not like you're gonna leave and then <laughs> just keep an eye on her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, if you're crying, you're probably gonna go get her anyway. So, but I don't know. It's it's 
again, it's, it's that psychological, or if parents feel more comfortable doing it, then it's at least available for them. Right. Yeah, it's neat. I mean, do you, have you found, uh, switching tacks a little bit, have you found, I'm sure that uh, Emma's played with your phone or or tablet or even maybe laptop a yeah. little bit, like just poked around on it. Yeah. Um, and I've seen lots of lots of videos and heard anecdotes about how kids come really quickly to that technology. Like they, they're instantly familiar with computers and they'll play with it for five minutes and they'll sort of know, it'll at least seem like they know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she, she took an early interest to, to our phones because, you know, they'd make a noise and be like, oh, what's that? And, you know, she, every time the phone goes off, she'll, she'll, you know, like know that it's the phone and she'll go and grab it and but we actually have um, a tablet like a Nexus 7 that we we down- downloaded some apps for her just to see if she she take to them and she's actually at the point now well if she sees a tablet somewhere she'll like pick it up and like bring it to us so that she can like play with it right. and so we'll load the app up and when the app starts it has like a little like ink kid and she gets all excited when it does that and like the the game will load and she'll actually like it'll it's like there's one where the animals will pop out and it, it wants her to like point at them, like like touch them, right? So she, okay, she'll, yeah. you know, the lion comes out and she'll like look, and then she'll touch the lion, and the lion makes a noise, and then like a snake comes out and she touches the snake, and the snake makes a noise, right? Like, right. But she she's doing it very intentionally and, and understands how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you know, she'll accidentally close the app a couple times. You have to like reopen it for her because right. there's no function to keep it open. But the, the cool thing, uh, um, getting off track, not off track a little bit, but. The iPad has a, a thing called guided access mm-hmm. you can set up where you can actually lock it down into one app and you have to perform a special set. I think it's triple press the home button mm-hmm. and then it'll ask you for a password and l- let you out of that mode. But otherwise it just stays in one app and it won't close the app. It won't, like all you'll be able to do is turn the screen on and off. Oh, really? Yeah, because that's what you're looking for for the Nexus and there is, there are apps you can download where when you try to exit it, kind of closes but then reopens itself but there's no way like you know how there's like the soft buttons on the Nexus phones right? Yeah. They, if you press the back button there's no way to disable the soft buttons. Right. You'd have to get like a case so for all those developers out there and manufacturers if you develop a case that covers up that that portion where the soft buttons are all right. That would be like perfect because then you can just load the app, put it in the case, and then they're just in that app, and there's no way to like exit out of it because the soft buttons are covered. But currently, there's nothing. Like I was thinking, you know, put electrical tape over top, and that might shield the buttons from being activated. But I don't know. You think that developers would have access to the software buttons? Like that's why they're soft. They you can program to do what you want, and it could be nothing or yeah. Yeah, and there's I think there's a Google app that you can lock the soft buttons, but it, it's not a kids. It's not a kids app. Like I don't know. I don't know why they haven't implemented it in others. Oh. When I saw it, I'm like, why don't they just do this in all those apps, right? Like, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They they need to figure out a way to to do that better. But right. anyway. So yeah, one interesting thing that uh, sort of as as children get older and start getting into teenage years, uh, one of the things I want to talk about is knowing where your kids are through technology and I don't know because on one hand I thinking about my own childhood as I grew up 
obviously you get more freedom and you're allowed to go further away from your house and you have less and less supervision. Um, but I, I, I kind of like that freedom for a child. As they, as they get older and show that they're responsible enough to handle it, it sort of seems like if you have location services tracking your child, that doesn't really tell you where they are. That just tells you where the thing they're holding is. And it's, it, for me, it seems like it might have the side effect of, I don't know, like giving you a false sense of security. Like you mm -hmm. might think, oh, yeah, still on the playground, we're, we're good. Mm -hmm. But you can't, that doesn't really tell you very much. Yeah. It seems like it's not a replacement yeah. for parenting. It's just a nice convenience. Like if you have, yeah. if, if it's an adult, you can be fairly confident that they're going to keep their phone with them and you're not just going to be watching a phone that was lost. But right. it seems like with a kid, that's, that's what's likely to happen. Oh, thanks, hey, we have a We have a third person, Nicholas. Nice of you to join us, Nick. He's muted right now. Yeah, he's oh, he's muted. He has to unmute himself. I have no power over this. <laughs> there we go. Oh my God! Yeah, my <laughs> my sweet sultry tones I hear. <laughs> Are you hearing your own sweet sultry tones? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nice, I gotta say. Yeah. Speaking of children. I <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Nick, we were just talking about tracking our children and yeah. uh, the pros and cons of that. So, speaking of knowing where our kids are, uh, Nick checked in, and, uh, and so now we know. at least now we know where he is, so so that's good. And luckily he's at work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, cool. I am at work. This is my office. <laughs> you have an office? How does that work? Well, I share it with three other grad students. <laughs> the weekends, only two of them are there, right? Um, actually, no. Two of them left, uh, like to go home, and oh. one is in town, so he probably will be in at some point during the weekend. <laughs> one of the reasons I did not like grad studies at all. <laughs> I don't know. In fairness, like our prof is here way more than we are. Like, <laughs> normally, it's you know, you have like the grad students who are supposed to be there. You know, always. Yeah. And then the actual supervisor will only show up like 9 to 5 every day. Or like Monday to Friday, but not Dave. He's here usually from 6 a.m. to 6 or 7 p.m. every day except Sunday mornings. He sometimes takes off. Supervisor named Dave seemed to have a good work ethic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a sample size of two, but yeah. In my in my experience, one hundred percent of Daves have very good work ethic if they're if they're professors. <laughs> yeah, that's a good assessment. But uh, tracking children, like what age are we talking about? Well, all through. All through. From the yeah. from the period where you let them out of your sight comfortably to the period where, I, I guess even right now, like I have I have my parents. Um, not that they really know about this feature, but my parents could see where I am if they really wanted to right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, or they could tune into the podcast and see that you're sitting there in your bedroom. Right, unless this is a green screen. I could be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I doubt your technical abilities, Rob. <laughs> but I don't think it's a green screen. Yep, it's a green screen. 
<laughs> I saw I saw it wave a little bit in the background there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I think I think for for tracking kids, you know, you were saying that you think the freedom's good, and uh, I'd agree to an extent. I think for live tracking, kind of like you know GPS, boop boop boop. Oh yeah, they're there. I don't think that's necessary. I think if you establish a system of trust with your children and enable them to be in touch with you should they need to or want to, such as a cell phone. Um, you know, just say, you know, yeah, go into a friend's house, you know, check in with me in three hours and let me know when you're going to be home kind of thing. Right. I think that's that's all you really need because, like you said, you know, if, if you're relying on actual tracking, like, it's very – it can f- fail because if they get kidnapped and they leave their backpack and their phone was in their backpack, then you'll never know, right? Right. Um but, you know, if you say, yeah, you're going to be at a friend's house until 3 and be home by 5 and they're not, then you call them and say, you know, where are you at? Uh, or if they text you and say, oh, I'm going to a movie or whatever, then that's fine. And at least there's that communication to, to know where they are. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it comes down to a certain amount of, not, not to, I wouldn't say necessarily respect, but... It's mat- trust. Maturity and, yeah, responsibility. Yeah. I think that it's a great idea for 100% of people to have, well, not maybe not 100, but let's say 99% of people to have location services enabled for some people. Like, you want to have at least one person know where you are, at least be able to check where you are. Like, that would make me feel more comfortable if I was kidnapped to know that Julia could just pull up her phone and locate me. Like, that, that is reassuring to me. And as it, like, I would want to explain to my child that it's not that we don't trust you, because we do. It's just that if something happens, we want to be able to figure out where you are. Like, it's for their safety and not because mm-hmm. you're trying to be a nosy parent. Yeah. Well, when you... If you go to the authorities, quote-unquote, aren't they able to do some sort of tracking through the cell phone provider? Not not in the CIA, no, no, like, monitoring need... sense. No, but, but I, don't think, I don't think that's a good... Like, there is a way easier solution where you just open an app on your phone. Like, the um, the new version, iOS 8 has location sharing built into the actual messaging app, like the actual mm-hmm. text messaging app. So if someone has an iPhone, I can literally, like, I can open a person here, I can click details, and it'll, if they've shared their location with me, it'll... it'll well, Facebook, me- Facebook Messenger has that too. You can share your location in a single message, but this is... No, like, it, no it's by default. Different. Like, it's built in. No, but if you tap the arrow, like the little arrow thing you won't share your location with that message. Right, but it's generally on, unless you turn it off. Isn't it? It's a different, it's a whole different thing. Facebook Messenger, you, it, it'll attach a location to an individual message if you choose to have it on. It, it is on by default. But this is, like, I click a button in the message window, to, like, under for contact details, and the big first thing you see is a map saying mm-hmm. where they are. Okay. And if you have a group conversation, it'll show all the people's locations if they've mm-hmm. allowed them. Right. And I just think that's beautiful. Yeah. I'd like to briefly interject and say that I think I was like completely reading it out of context, and I thought you guys meant like location services, as in like, where's little Billy now? Well, no, yeah. that's, that's what we're <laughs> it's about. kind. Of, that is kind of like what we're talking but about. We're talking about how that's not, a good but not like constantly. Right. Yeah. Like some people, some people might take it and right. bring it to that level, like. 
parents would parent, mess if, over their kids if they yeah. didn't trust them, if they had reason not to trust them. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. There was someone, a mom in Calgary, who her son was missing since 9 a.m. that morning. It was like 3 p.m. So he was literally gone for like six hours. And she sent out a semi-unofficial Amber Alert for him and <laughs> got, you know, mobilized her mom community to go look for him. And Was he missing or did he just leave? According to her, the, according <laughs> to her, he was missing because, you know, she checked his favorite spots and he wasn't there and whatever, right? And then there's a post later that evening. It's like, oh, he was found safe and sound in Crowfoot. And that's all there was to it. <laughs> yeah, then like when I first heard him, like he's only been missing for like six hours, like, and that's not missing. That's like right. just going and doing something. Like, well, and, again, how old is this kid? If he's like seven, like twelve, now. like thirteen, like like a preteen yeah. slash teenager, right? So old enough to take a bus somewhere, right? Well, like, probably told his mom that he was going, but <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's what I. This is my. This is how I think it happened. The kid told his mom in the morning while the mom was busy doing something. Hey, I'm gonna go to a friend's house and then to a movie. The mom's like, oh, okay, whatever, and then. Forgot that that's what he said. Panicked, and then he turns up at a movie theater at the end of the movie. He's like, "Mom, I told you this morning I was going to a movie." But meanwhile, because he probably didn't have a phone, so that she couldn't call and say, "Hey, where are you?" Yeah. She panicked and overreacted completely and mobilized the community to go look for him in this this little area, right? And it's yeah, like, it's like you need to have a discussion beforehand, and that could, whole thing could have been avoided. Yeah. Or, or have or or to, or to give your kid a cell phone so that he can either yeah. check in if plans change or she can call and say, oh, just wondering where you were. I thought you were gonna be home at three. That I don't know. If, like the longest, I forget even what it's called. Being grounded. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, the longest worst grounding I ever got was because I went to the mall after school, and I was I think sixteen. Is that the one where you where you told your dad you were going to my house and then he no. called me? Oh. No. No. Um, <laughs> it was I was celebrating an anniversary with my girlfriend at the time and I forget I think I told them I think I said like I'm going and I ended up getting back at like 9pm to keep in mind like full teenager like if I had told them where I was going it would have been fine but I didn't I, for some reason I like they didn't have some piece of information that they needed and I got in a huge amount of trouble I think I was grounded for a month Oh wow! And I was just—I I would legitimately, my my defense, and I think it's still reasonable, is why didn't you just call me? I had a phone. Yeah. <laughs> also, shouldn't have to call you, Robert. <laughs> no, but they should, they should have to call me. This shouldn't be on me. Okay. I'm a forgetful child. If they want to know where I am, they can call me. As a side note, if you're a teenager and you're going to go do something you're not supposed to do, and you involve someone else in your story about what you're doing, tell that person you're involving so they know the cover <laughs> for you when the parents call you to see where you are. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a number one number one tip that I have for today. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember the exact circumstances of that, but yeah. that. Well, you're going to go hang out with Cody. That happened then, in an episode of Seinfeld, I believe, as yeah. well. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go to Mike's house. And then his dad called me and yeah. was like, oh, is Rob there? I'm like, no, why would he be here? <laughs> and then the story fell apart right there. <laughs> uh, that was good times. I don't think I ever endangered myself in any way. It was just, just growing up. Yeah. It was growing up. Things happen. <laughs> 
anyway, that's that's tracking. Yeah, that that is tracking, and I think I think it's a good thing. So why don't we move on to the next topic? We'll do uh, we'll go, we'll move to the internet because that's another thing that comes up a lot. Um, and again, when we were growing up, it was sort of the beginning of the real internet, not just static web pages. It it was things that could actually get you in trouble and start communicating with the wrong people and there weren't really social networks where you sort of feel like there's level of trust if you if someone it, if you see someone on Facebook you trust that they're they say they are because you it, see them in your life but yeah. it was a very anonymous it was, yeah. an, it was an anonymous internet back then right. yeah so uh, your question was how do you balance respecting a child's privacy with ensuring their safety when they're being exposed to the internet and so was that you, my question or was that yours? That was yours. Oh, I had a slightly different one. Oh, okay. I'll let I'll let Nick answer this one. Oh, sorry. What was the question once more? <laughs> so there's a balance between the child's privacy and ensuring their safety when they're. <clears throat> okay. Um. I don't know. That's tough. Like, especially from my perspective, because when I was young and, like, chat rooms were becoming a thing, I was like, why would I want to talk to other people? <laughs> talk to enough, enough people in my day-to-day -day life. Why would I just inflict more people upon myself? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You just... Especially depending on ages and stuff like that, I guess you just have to trust that they'll make the right decisions. Like, tell them up front that, like, People can lie on the internet. It is possible. But I don't know what you can really do past that. It's the mm -hmm. same as, like, you know, letting your child wander out into the real world. Yeah, at a certain point, you kind of have to not let go completely, but, like, go over here and just be aware that there's bad people in the world. Yeah. I mean, granted, if 30-year-olds start showing up at the door and asking for my child by screen name, yeah, probably, you know... <laughs> You told me to show Maybe my location. Have some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I mean, yeah. From from my perspective, growing up and all through right now, if someone told me that I'm restricting your internet use, you can't do whatever you want. You sort of have to. I mean, when I was growing up, I had a white list of sites. So every site that I went to, uh, we had like the whatever blocking system. I think it was Norton, but I had to have every website approved. Right. And that was super, super annoying on the internet because it's just it doesn't it doesn't get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so my first instinct when that happened was to try to break the internet security. And that like that is why I have such an interest in technology today. Like at least most of it is that I thought it was so cool that you could set up these kinds of blocks and that also there are ways around them. And so like that was the earliest computer hacking that I ever did was trying to get through internet security. Mm -hmm. And I think that if, if there had been a conversation instead of, instead of just, we're putting this on and deal with it, it would have been sort of different. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Across all times and peoples and cultures, <laughs> people have yearned to breathe and browse free. <laughs> Is that a quote from someone? That sounds like a quote. No. <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, very convincing. convincing. I don't know what movie that would have been from, but it's... It sounded like a Lord of the Rings type quote. Like Shakespeare. 
You can attribute the quote to me now, if you'd like. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what do, you, what do you think, Mike? What do you think about the balance? And yeah. What are your plans coming up as, as the Internet gets exposed? Yeah. Well, my plan is to just get rid of anything Internet accessible in the house so that uh, nothing can get in. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... It, for, for me, just based on my own experiences growing up, and I, I think just establishing a level of communication and openness, um, you know, I, yeah, I don't think it's effective to just block everything except for whatever you think is, you know, safe or whatever. Right. Um, you know, I think, I think to, to an extent there is, you can come across things you're not wanting to as a child. You know, you click on a link that you think is something and it's something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know. Pops up. Yeah. Or yeah. Pop ups. Whatever. Right. Like. I. I don't know if there's anything. I don't know. It's. It's hard. It's like you either block it all from the start, or you let them see what's out there, and then they talk to you about it, and right. then it's like, yeah, you know, this stuff is out there. Um. You know, you need to be careful what you click on, and you know, in the meantime, we'll put up, you know, protections so that you don't come across that, and you know, you have filters, and then you can start whitelisting things as they get blocked. So say, because filters aren't perfect, right? They'll filter things that aren't yeah, that don't need to be. Right? So you know, you, you know, say Emma's trying to get onto a site and it's blocking it, and she'll she'll come to us and say, hey, you know, I'm trying to get on the site, and it's like, oh yeah, that's fine, and then you whitelist it, right? Right. But I don't think, I don't think you you necessarily want to sh- shield them and keep them. Naive to what's out there. You, I, I, I don't know if this is gonna change if, when, like, as I start having kids, but it seems it's very confusing because my thought is expose, like, let them know about everything. Like, they're mm-hmm. gonna find out either way, and yeah. especially in school these days, kids yeah. talk about everything with amongst each other. So there's, you're not really gonna shield them from anything. Just right. explain, yeah, that there are dangers and there are issues and. Yeah. There are yeah. ways to protect yourself. Yeah. And I'd, I'd rather be the first point of contact or f- first introduction to that than, you know, a friend in, in school pulls up their f- smartphone and shows her whatever, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's going to happen, right? Like, like I hear that story all the time that kids are watching stuff on their phones during class. Yeah. Like, and it's like, okay, so that's happening now. <laughs> like, so instead of just the birds and the bees, you have to have like the internet talk with your oh, kid yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and drugs and alcohol, and it's not just oh yeah, like whatever. It's like, you got to get real pretty early. And it all happens. Yeah, it happens way faster. Yeah. Than it. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know that drugs existed, like other than prescription drugs, until university. And even then, it was hazy. Yeah. Like I had no exposure in high school, but I know that's different now. And I know that my experience was unique at the time. We had to do like presentations on various styles of drugs in like <laughs> grade eight, I think. What kind of school did you <laughs> No, like we were discussing like all the it like there were legitimate drugs too, but like we had to do a presentation on like all manners of them. I think I had like opiates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rob, so, like, I think- you must have done it in high school, Rob. Like, with career and life management, I think they covered drugs. Career and life management was an online course, and it was nothing. It was online for you? We had it in, in school. Like, oh. we had an actual class. It was nothing. It was useless. Hmm. Yeah. It wasn't helpful. It didn't... It did, Like, I watched that 70s show completely naively. Like, that's not a joke. That actually happened. I thought they were... Yeah. Smelling incense. To, the whole to be honest, to be honest, I, yeah. 
I didn't know that when they were in that circle that they were getting high. I didn't know that either. Until I think that was actually pretty recently. They're like, oh, they're so high. I'm like, what? And then, like, I knew what I knew what drugs were. I knew what getting high was. Yeah, but I, I didn't, didn't know what drugs were. I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. <laughs> Nick's like, wow, you guys are stupid. <laughs> no, I'm just like, actually, I don't know, because I don't think I actually watched that 70s show when it first came out. I, like, started watching reruns of it in high school, and then by that time I knew that marijuana was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. I couldn't empathize in the least with it, but I was like, eh, they're acting silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I found out after high school that there was there was drug use in my high school, but I had no idea while it was going on. Like, I didn't know drugs were a thing, and maybe that's, maybe that's part of my clean-cut image that <laughs> that, that happened, but... Yeah. I don't know, I imagine you're off in your own little world, like... Well, I was yeah, I was already about the future, and <laughs> I didn't need any kind of drugs. I was already in my own world. I was high on life. <laughs> <laughs> also, the yeah, it uh... yeah, being exposed. I mean, man, it's it's interesting because, and I I know that everyone feels about this slightly differently from the way they were raised, but I would I I honestly would want my child to be to be fully exposed to the internet, to not have any lit, and to just let them, like, talk to them about being careful about these kinds of things. Like, for the most part, the internet is a wonderful, miraculous place, but there's... Well, maybe not for the most part, but the small, <laughs> the small percentage of, of good stuff is really good. <laughs> what was that movie, the, the Internet is for Porn? That, that video? Avenue Q. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Best musical I have ever seen, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know, do you, like... In a word, do you guys agree that kids should be exposed to the internet and warned of the dangers, or do you think they should be blocked from it and, like, slowly... This is one site, here it is, like... Yeah. I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't necessarily want... To show them everything. Right, not show them, but like explain. Like, yeah, but I'd, I'd want to introduce them that these things exist and how easy it is to come across them. I right. think that's that's the main thing. I don't think you want to like just jade them from early on and like. <laughs> there <laughs> like, are people on the internet. Here they are. Yeah. It's so too far, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I would want to. I don't know. I would want to give them, like, a Chromebook or something, just so that, like, it's like, here's the internet, just try not to do anything stupid, but it's not like you can install a virus on this anyway. Yeah, if you feel, if maybe tell them if you feel like you can't talk to me about something, first, like, try to get across the message that it's fine to talk to me and I'm... We can have open communication about these things, but Urban Dictionary is there if you are confused about anything. <laughs> <laughs> just just type it in, and it'll all be explained to you, and it's probably gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's strange. Uh, on, the same, on the same note, we can talk a bit about social media. You have marked on here that... I mean, you... Mike, you have always 
and I, I guess Nick probably as well, have always been really into internet forums. I don't know that I've gotten that far into forums or message boards, but definitely social media is sort of the next generation of that. I don't know, what do you, what did you want to talk about with regards to those kinds of things? Just It was just, I guess, not necessarily for the kid, but for you around parenting, and if I'm reading this right. Mm-hmm. For me, growing up, like, internet forums were my friends in high school. Um, you know, I found communities that I integrated well with and had the same interests that I did, and it was funny, and, you know, you could... people from different parts of the world and different experiences and that kind of thing, and, and that was really beneficial for me. Um, so I, d I definitely see it as, as a beneficial thing for kids to be able to... Uh, to interact on social media, what they have these days, and as well as internet forums. Um, you know, I don't know about stuff like 4chan and Reddit, if they'd be considered entirely beneficial, but I, Never I still... 4chan. <laughs> Never. Fucking <laughs> blockchain <laughs> site. <laughs> Reddit, maybe. Yeah, Reddit, Reddit maybe. Maybe not 4chan. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I think there's still merit to, to the concept. Um, and again, it goes back to communication, like, you know, if if Emma finds a friend online and or an online community, then that's awesome. And, you know, these days they're doing, like, you know, meetups and, and all that kind of stuff, and I think it can be really good. Um, but, again, it can also be dangerous, and that's where the openness and communication comes in. And But I, I'd definitely be in favor of encouraging online interaction, um, especially with the lack of anonymity, anonymity there is these days. Anonymity. 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 <laughs> Anonymity. <laughs> Anonymity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you think, Nick? Um, great question. I don't have kids. This is crazy. Well, um, from your own experience, though. I don't know. I only really got into, like, uh, Reddit in university. Like, and late university, too, because otherwise I'm sure I just wouldn't have graduated. Yeah, you wouldn't have. <laughs> it's a miracle I'm still, like, in grad school. But, um, I don't know, I'm fine. I'm fine with that because, like, it's just a way to find people with similar interests about similar things and, like, discussing that with someone where in your real life you might just not have an outlet for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I that on the internet. Sorry? I found lots of that on the internet. Like, yeah. there are pe people you can talk to people about stuff that nobody in your actual life cares about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned more yeah. about I learned more about advanced math on internet forums than I did in my entire school career. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd go to school, I'd go to class, and it'd be like some differential equations class, and I'd be like, "Oh, what about like this theorem?" And they're like, "Where do you hear that about?" And I was like, "Oh, just this internet forum I was on." It's like, "Oh, like it's not that it's not that I had a grasping understanding of it, yeah. but I had been exposed to it, and that there's like you know a bunch of pure math theorems out there that I otherwise wouldn't have sure. even been exposed to." Yeah, that and I, I think know. that's like that's like the good side of internet right. forums and stuff like that. Um, there are definitely bad sides, but I mean, it comes down to communication and like trust, I guess. It's just... yeah. Did your teacher call you a nerd? No, I think he was just like just kind of weird. Out. I, maybe he thought I was just bluffing or like just trying oh, to look good or yeah. something. But I was actually generally interested in this advanced stuff that he was talking about. So I guess some teachers probably do get kind of disillusioned that what they're doing isn't helping anything, but. 
every once in a while, like kids, like I love science, I love math in school, and I would ask genuine questions like that, like genuinely, yeah. not just trying to suck up, and not. I just want yeah. to. Yeah. That was actually like for me last summer, like working with kids, like they were just so curious about everything, and I have like just a passing knowledge of a lot of things. Like mm -hmm. usually to the to the depth that a child would care about. Yeah. Well, that's like, Rob. That's like what you're talking about this week. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I like. There was one group of kids that like I explained the concept of a constitutional monarchy to, because that's just like <laughs> where the conversation led. You got you introduced them to CGP Grey, right? <laughs> I didn't, because you know uh, we weren't supposed to be using internet there, because okay. but. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's great. They're curious. You can talk to them about things. Yeah. yeah. That's that's my main goal in in raising children is to pass along that sense of curiosity and make mm -hmm. sure that they're asking lots of questions and trying to figure out the world. Yeah. The way I have. Yeah. I know I know for me growing up, like I'd always say, you know, oh, why this or what's that or just ask questions and the answer is like, oh, I don't know, that's a good question, or something stupid like that. But it's like, I, I know for me, like, very early on, I'm like, when, when I have kids, I want to be the parent that says, oh, let's look it up. Or, yeah. oh, let's, let's, go, let's go find out, and we do it together, right? And, like, because I'll get something out of it, too, because I probably, I probably don't actually know the answer, and then I'd want to go look it up, too. And then you just talk about the answer, and there's, it's a learning opportunity instead of, oh, go ask your mom, or, oh, yeah. you have to ask your teacher, or something know. like that, right? Or I don't know, right? If I'm ever too busy to talk to my child about anything, mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to re reassess yeah. The priorities. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think even even to the point where you say, okay, well, like write it down, and we'll we'll look at it later. If yeah. if there actually is a time where you can't just go and like look at something right away, but to at least make a point to go and like look up the answer because the answer's out there, like especially with the internet today, right? I remember being like super frustrated with that as a kid. Like this one instance sits like sticks out to me. I was like, what if you like bored a hole all the way through the earth and then jumped in? Like what would happen? Because like, you know, gravity pulls you down, but like right. like what would happen? Right. And they're like, Oh, well you would melt once you hit the core. And I was like, oh. <laughs> That's not interesting. But I was like, what if what if you didn't though? Like what if it was cool? And they're like, Well it's not, so it's a moot point. And I was like no, <laughs> that's what your parents said. Yeah, they're like, well, it's not. You would burn up. It's just, it's what would happen. I'm like, but there's. I got a satisfactory answer in university, though. Well, from didn't Randall Monroe tackle that in one of the what ifs? Yeah, he did. Where he, like you just oscillate back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah he did that too. Um, uh, was no, it a what if or was it a separate thing? I can't remember. I don't remember. I, don't I actually like asked a prof about it though. Yeah. Or a TA, and he was like, "Oh, well, instead of like a point gra or a point center of gravity, you'd probably be dealing with like a torus in reality, and you would just like pass through the torus." And I was like, "All right, yeah." And like, eight-year-old well, Nick was satisfied. That I didn't see the original Total Recall, but that was the plot of the remake, the modern one. There was a there was an ele like a space uh, not a space elevator but an Earth elevator that took you through the core at really high speeds and somehow shielded you from the heat and radiation and all that. Hmm. 
I'm glad other people have wondered. <laughs> apparently it is... This is totally off topic, but apparently it is radiation in our core that keeps the Earth as hot as it is, and not just yeah. like molten. Yeah, it's uh, convection, yeah, and radiation. Yeah. yeah. Which seems surprising to me, because I think, like, iron is the most stable nuclide. The final, or, uh, the final form. Not nuclide. What do I want to say? It's the most stable... Isotope. Thing. Not isotope. Yeah. Like iron 26 would be the most stable isotope of iron. Yeah, iron 50, or yeah, iron 26, that's the most stable one. Yeah. Isotope. Isomer? No. <laughs> I think I it's isotope. I've got a cable like, on my desk here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> chemistry nerds. <laughs> it's an isotope. It has a number of neutrons that... Oh, okay, sorry. It's iron, iron 26 is the atomic number. Yeah. It's like 50, 55.847 is the mass number. Yeah. So it'd be like iron 58. <laughs> I think it's 56. <laughs> I think 56 is the, is the stable one. Are you sure? No. <laughs> but there's definitely a radioactive isotope of of iron that exists. I'm sure there is. The Earth is warm. Anyway, oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap it up with we got a, a question from one of our users, and we'll keep them anonymous as they've asked me. Um, but it was Carolyn, wasn't it? <laughs> it was not Carolyn. Uh, so you should say you can neither confirm nor deny that it was Carolyn. <laughs> I am not the CIA on Twitter. Um, so basically, uh, it, it is a girl, and she said, I don't feel comfortable using location services on my phone, either either through Google+, Plus on Android or iOS, or Find My Friends, which is just iPhone. Um, and basically wanted to know what the advantages are and sort of why why you should use location services. And so I want to, because I have, I have a firm belief that you should, but what do you guys think? Like having it turned on so that a select group of people, like I don't see the downside to having a few people, a few friends knowing where you are. It just doesn't seem like it's bad at all. What do you guys think? Mike, why don't you go first? Because I've raised this question with you already. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I don't know, I think with, just in general, things on the internet when they ask for permissions or location services or whatever. I think I have enough trust in these companies that they're going to responsibly use my my data and the stuff they're collecting. Um, and I think with the uh, with location services, I, I I don't think it can hurt. Um, and yeah, like you know, just the fact that you can select who you're sharing your location with especially with Google+, Plus, where you just create a circle, say, of the people you want to know your location, and you share your location with that circle. That's as straightforward right. as it can be. Um, so I don't think it can hurt. I don't, I don't, as far as how beneficial it is, in, in my situation, I don't think I'd use it enough because I can just text or call or just say, you know, where, you, where are you? Um, and I'll get an answer that way. Um, but I'm, I'm sure people will have more of a use for it, and I don't think it hurts. Right. Like, my thought was, if someone's driving, you don't want to be texting them and asking where they are. You just want to be able to see where they are. Well, if someone's driving, like, say if I, if I text Maria and she doesn't answer right away, I assume that she's driving or 
somewhere, and I'll usually hear within the hour, and they'll be like, oh, you know, just pulled into the mall or whatever, and it doesn't really... There's no need for a pre-amber alert. See, I just, no. I just, <laughs> I just feel like, and again, maybe this is just me, but I just, I like the idea of openly knowing, like, sharing my location with people. I have, I think, 15 or 20 people. Anyone I consider a friend on Google Plus can see where I am, just opening the app or going on the website. Like, it's not, it's not a big deal to me to have people. I don't see what the informa- like, what they could do that bad with that information. What do you think, Nick? So, so long as you like trust the people you're sharing the information with, then right. I mean, you're mm-hmm. golden. I I mean, I specifically remember instances with you and I, Rob, like where I think you texted me, like, "Where are you?" And I was like, "I could just describe this or open the Maps app and send yeah. the GPS coordinates, <laughs> yeah. and like it." I trust Rob will know, and <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Um. I don't know. I think it. I think it's really useful because I mean, like even last night I was hanging out with people and had to send a bunch of like "Where are you?" texts or like "I'm here." Where are the rest of you? Yeah. Kind of things. And it's just if I could just like check that, it would be so much easier. Right. Especially well, yeah. like, you know, like if it's, you know, people you trust, or if you could, like, just have a toggle switch on and off. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's the beauty of it is that you do. I'm not familiar with the Google Plus setting. Well, in I don't know about uh, Android, but in Hangouts on iOS, there's a button in the chat window. Like, if you have a multiple-person chat going on, there's a button that just shares your location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Android has that one too. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Again, I'm I use Hangouts. Like, if if a bunch of people are meeting, I'm gonna want to use a group hangout to organize it. And then if someone needs my location, I literally just push the button and they mm-hmm. But maybe that's me. I don't, I don't see a downside. I just see lots of upsides. Like if you've ever wanted to know where someone was that, you, that trusts you and you trust them, why not just ha- have the ability to passively see where they are rather than having to ask for it? It just seems... Yeah. Oh, I don't necessarily want people to know where I am all the time. But, and I don't know why, but yeah, I wouldn't care. There's a toggle switch. Yeah, if I was somewhere that, and this has never, this hasn't happened to me, if ever in years, that I'm not didn't want people to know where I was, then I would turn it off for that ten minutes, and people could deal with it. Yeah, but I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't, I don't go places that I don't, wouldn't want people to know. I don't know. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap it up, but there's one thing I do want to talk about just for a couple minutes that sort of just occurred to me as we were starting this. Um, I wanted to get your guys' take on this. Again, in iOS 8, I've been using it for, what, two weeks now? And there's a new feature, and I think this is something that more tech companies should adopt, and that's they have a family sharing feature. So if you can set up one person as the parent, and you attach a credit card to that account, and then they can have children or, or they can have other family members um, who they can who can also use that credit card with the permission of whoever the, the person that owns the, that account is. And so, for instance, if you wanted to buy an app with your parents' credit card, you wouldn't have to go and ask them and have them, like, type it in and hit install. You would literally, like, they would press ask to buy on their in their app store, 
the request would go to the parent and they would say, let this person have this app and then they would buy it and then it would get installed. And then once, and that you could do the same thing with music or with movies or TV or anything like that. Hmm. And again, once you have that, that thing purchased on that account, you can have up to six accounts that are linked together like that. Every person on that account has that app or that content. And I think it's a sweet, like that's a really good idea and it's, it's well implemented to the point that I'm considering setting it up with Julia just because it's super convenient and then you don't have to buy something twice. So, Seems like a good idea. So you, let me get this clarified. So you can, it's basically buying one app for one price for multiple accounts? Right, for up to six family members. And you hmm. think, like it sounds, when you first think about it, like, man, people are just going to use this as a group of friends. They're going to mm-hmm. share. But it's, I don't think it would be difficult and not worth it to work it like that because it all has to be tied to one credit card. Mm-hmm. So unless you want to just buy your friends apps, then that's one thing. But I don't know. It doesn't seem as useful as it would be to families, which is the point. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Well, I mean, do you guys have anything else you want to say? I think we can wrap it up here. Sorry, I was late. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you showed up at all. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Anything else? Oh, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much it. Covered covered a good amount. The safety and tracking and yeah. Agreed. Everyone's set to be a parent now. Exactly. I, know <laughs> I feel great now. I don't even need That's to. It. I don't have to read any books or anything. Just... <laughs> I'll just so, watch the first half of the podcast and I'll be uh, I'll be all up to snuff. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, uh, have a good week, and I guess we'll see you actually midweek for the IO preview show. Yes, that when is very exciting. Episode. The what? <laughs> You're not keeping up on your future chat? <laughs> on Wednesday uh, evening, we're doing a live mini-episode on doing predictions for Google I.O., which is on the 25th and 26th. Ooh, that is yeah. exciting. Okay. Know, right? All right. <laughs> I can see why you do a uh, chat for that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you then. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. See you guys.